0: Video surveillance impacts human lives every day. On most days, we do not feel the impact of video surveillance. But the effects of video surveillance have tremendous potential in our lives. It can be used to solve crimes and find missing children. It can be used to intimidate journalists and empower dictators. Like any piece of technology, video surveillance can be used for good or evil. Video recognition helps us make better use of video feeds. A stream of raw video doesn't provide much utility if we can't easily model and index its contents. Without video recognition, we must have a human sitting in front of the video to manually understand what's going on in that video. Veronica Yurchuk and Kosh Shish are the founders of Traces.ai, a company building video recognition technology focused on safety, anonymity, and positive usage. They join the show to discuss the field of video analysis and their vision for how video will shape our lives in the future. Software Engineering Daily is hiring a head of growth. If you like Software Engineering Daily and consider yourself competent in sales, marketing, and strategy, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. As a programmer, you think in objects. With MongoDB, so does your database. MongoDB is the most popular document-based database built for modern application developers and the cloud era. Millions of developers use MongoDB to power the world's most innovative products and services, from cryptocurrency to online gaming, IoT, and more. Try MongoDB today with Atlas, the global cloud database service that runs on AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. Configure, deploy, and connect to your database in just a few minutes. Check it out at mongodb.com Atlas. That's mongodb.com Atlas. Thank you to MongoDB for being a sponsor of Software Engineering Daily. Tosh and Veronica, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having us. Hey. I know that video recognition is affecting my life. I'm not sure how. Can you give me some applications that are out there in the wild that are impacting us on a day-to-day basis that are doing
1: video recognition? Well, so you are absolutely right. It is like affecting your day-to-day life. And you, although you might not see all the cameras, but they definitely see you, whatever you are entering an Apple store or you are just, you know, commuting with their SFMTA. You are faced by many cameras every day and they analyze everything, a part of like starting from your moment, where you go, what you do, ending up with emotions. So some shops, they already implemented emotional analysis and they know what emotions you had when you entered the shop and what emotions you had when you left the shop. So this industry is is exploding and we will see more and more applications for this technology and for video in our life in upcoming 10 years, that's for sure. Are there any controversial
0: video recognition applications? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So when we're talking about Countries like China, probably audience is well aware about their system of uh, social ranking of people based on their behavior, starting, off, starting with I don't know, jaywalking, ending up with smoking uh, in the prohibited areas. So definitely there are some goodies that we're getting from the system. And, but definitely there is also this line of your privacy and your security and your freedom if you will. So it's definitely better here in the US, but many countries, they are exploiting the systems to use their benefits, and especially like political benefits.
0: Although arguably it's better and worse here, right? Because there is such taboo around the use of video recognition. When people talk about video recognition, almost reflexively, I hear discussions about the negative outcomes first. It's almost
1: like, 1984 has done as much harm as good. I, I can't agree more. So 1985, uh, sorry, 84 is uh, one of my favorite novels. Here, there were definitely some goodies and, and, and bad parts. Speaking about the bad parts, is in a worsen world. Worsen world is kind of. Losing the race for AI because of many privacy concerns. There's like a technical loss because China is. The Western world. Is, okay. Yeah, yeah because China is advancing really fast because they don't have so many privacy concerns and they are happily sharing information with private and government owned companies. At the same time, at this point, it's really hard to say whether it's for good or for worse, but we're really happy that we are here in the Western world where. There is a right balance between people's privacy and what technology companies are allowed to do with with the data of people. And we know that like many companies, they try to cross this line. So we are all for the safeguards that we have right now, although it may cost us some technical challenges that we are actually overcoming. But we don't even have safeguards today, right? Like. Uh, well, in terms of uh, San Francisco where facial recognition was banned for governmental use, we do have it and there, are, uh, there were also two other cities that actually did that. So we definitely see a right efforts of controlling some technologies that might be harmful uh, for society. What well, we also have to acknowledge is that although those safeguards or those efforts to control are here to protect us. We also have to have a technology that will protect us from other threats like criminals, terrorist attacks, uh, or even help us to find missing people or children. So when we're talking about this balance, we should definitely find this middle ground where we still are able to find missing children in a theme park or just on the streets. At the same time, we should protect journalists and political activists from from those who are trying to oppress and try to to limit their right to speak about these topics that they want to speak. Help me understand the state of the art in video recognition,
0: what is possible and what is impossible?
2: Yes. Yeah, so currently there are a lot of application of facial recognition and like each and everyone claims that they can get 99 percentage of accuracy. But in fact, this accuracy is measured on the specifically prepared data set where your face is like very, has very good lightning condition. It is very close to camera and so on and so forth, but it is nowhere near to the a real-life application where people like where the cameras cannot see the faces so there are a lot of applications a part of the facial recognition that ai can do so artificial intelligence can recognize what type of movement and uh, what caused this movement. is it like a bird or it is a person that is coming and it can do a lot of classifications detection it can analyze what are you doing are you riding a bike or you are let's say swimming or like you are running but the, the accuracy level here is lower because video analysis it is much more complicated in comparison with simple image analysis and ai is not as good as we can imagine in our world like in our imagination
0: so the per person identification though where's that at
2: so, yeah, I can easily identify that there is a person in this uh, video or in this frame and uh, what he or she is doing, like some basic actions, but not very detailed at, at this point, right?
0: Not who you are.
2: Yeah, I mean, like there is facial recognition, and it really depends on the quality of the video and where where is the face in the in the video. It is perfectly working with our iPhones or our devices where we use facial recognition, where like where we use facial recognition and our face is very close to a camera, and the camera the camera quality is very good, and it is usually highlighted. So in iPhones, facial recognition works very good because the camera quality is good and our face is close to the camera but i think about the real application in cctv let's say where a face is simply usually not visible, and the camera quality of CCTV cameras is very really low. Camera. Yeah, it, it, like the camera cannot classify, is it you or is it your friend?
1: Uh, yeah, it's also a question of placement of the camera. So before starting this company, I went to China uh, just to check how they place cameras. And I can assure you... Everywhere. It, yes, uh, <laughs> but everywhere is the first answer, but the actual the angle of placement and the way of placement of the camera is really smart there. So. Over here, we're kind of protected. I mean, like speaking about San Francisco or, or New York City, uh, cameras are not placed with facial recognition in mind, which means that most of the cameras, are, are, although they are technically capable of reading our facial data and using that facial data for tracking us, they are actually useless because for most scenarios, angles will be not good enough for reliably tracking and pick, picking, picking all the data points that are needed for reliable identification. So yeah, there are many reasons why facial recognition doesn't work in security applications. If this, uh, for uh, like first of all, like camera placement was wrong about the angles because like people were not thinking that those cameras will be used for facial recognition. Second is what Veronica mentioned, camera quality it is still not as good as we might expect. Uh, to get here, and second, uh, or third, is actually human behavior. Uh, we as humans, we're not uh, staring into the cameras. We have our phones, we have, I don't know, we, we check some road signs, or may, we do many, many, many things, we're not staring into the cameras. And this is what actually most of the software recognition solutions requires you to do, to have a, a clear picture of your face uh, with a
0: right angle. You know we have like driver's license right like so we have like a centralized database of forward facing photos in the united states is that good enough for
1: yeah so in terms of license plate recognition system with built-in face recognition system is good enough why because camera has specific angle but what uh, license plate Plus facial recognition? Yeah. yeah. So basically, usually what you can see, you can see that these so systems, they work simultaneously. So you not only have a license plate recognition system, but you also have a facial recognition system. So basically, systems that can confirm that you were as a driver driving that car with oh, that sorry. plate number. Oh, no, sorry. So
0: I meant driver's license pictures. So like oh. when I get my driver's license, I get a forward-facing picture taken of me yes. or my passport. Yes. So the government has access to yes. like yes. a pretty big data set of forward-facing yes. photos. Yes. Is that good enough to, for example, if I'm walking through the airport and they've got security cameras in the airport, is that good enough to recognize who I am on a regular basis? So in in most airports, yes.
1: Because airports, security system in airports are are specifically designed uh, to actually track and identify you. But what is also true is that in the most case scenarios, if you are aware about the system, nothing stops you of wearing a hat and not staring into cameras directly. Mm -hmm. So you will actually cancel their capabilities of identifying your face.
0: By the way, is this the real reason why security lines are so slow? Because they're like trying to get you to slow
1: down Uh, to do facial recognition on you? I I, I would be really skeptical about this assumption because like it takes Milliseconds to identify your face. So, like, I would be really surprised to, to learn that this is the reason why Even they're ag- so slow. Even against like a database of all the people in the world? Well, so once your face is taken, they have a lot of time to run it through the database. And we rarely see scenarios where your face will be checked through the database of all people, right? Most likely there will be some kind of a blacklist and they will be looking for uh, whether you were like, I don't know, a former terrorist or uh, associate there. So my, my point here is is this technology, when it is used correctly, when the cameras are placed correctly, is efficient enough not to make you suffer in long lines. What is also true is that uh, there are just few places in the US, that these systems are, uh, are implemented correctly, and like airports are one of those. When we're talking about like a New York MTA or SF MTA, uh, I would be really surprised to see good results there, uh, just because of the way how they place the camera, cameras they they used, and how people behave in in transport. What about gait
0: recognition, the the walking signature of individual humans? Is that any any better, further along? Well, it,
1: well, it's definitely not better from a privacy perspective because uh, those aspects they are unique about it, and there are just few people who can mimic different types of walks, right? At the same time, from a technology perspective, it is really hard to get really good results there at a huge scale. So this technology is quite costly. And when we're talking about like security in some, I don't know, enterprise facility, then yes, it may work if the facility will be designed specifically to use this technology. But when we're talking about like a city scale security, most likely it won't work and we have never seen any company actually succeeding in uh, this enterprise or a huge scale of deployment of those systems. China, obviously, they are doing a great job in researching this field and they have many, many teams and many companies that are working in this field, but we are, from a privacy perspective and from a security perspective, we're really far, far away from actually mass deployment and mass use of those technologies.
0: Feature flagging makes it easy for your team to quickly change the way that your product works. And CloudBee's rollout lets you manage feature flags easily. When you have a solution to manage feature flags at scale, you're empowered to continuously and intelligently roll out changes as soon as they are code complete on any platform, even mobile. You can decouple development from code releases for real-time change control you can roll back only the changes that you don't want, or keep them around. You can toggle features, you can use multivariate flags for A-B testing, and you can remove misbehaving features with a kill switch. All of this is part of the feature flag platform that is CloudBees Rollout. Visit SoftwareEngineeringDaily.com and try a free 14-day trial and experience how CloudBees Rollout can help you with every release. Visit SoftwareEngineeringDaily.com slash CloudBees to get a free trial. CloudBees Rollout is trusted by large users such as Zendesk and Jet.com. Try it out today at SoftwareEngineeringDaily.com slash CloudBees. So, it sounds like the issue is not the algorithms. If there's a technical issue, it's more that literally the cameras are just not positioned in the right way to capture enough data.
1: Well, yes, technically if we have camera placed correctly, then this problem will be solved. But the reasons why camera are not placed the way how they would be most efficient is also because it will be a really awkward way of placing cameras. So basically the camera should be placed on a height of an average person. And this way, high people will actually color fill the view of the camera while they're working. So as I mentioned, like China, they are doing a great job and they're making huge investments in this, but I don't see it happening in a worsened world like it's just first, it's like external cost. So right now, based on the statistics in the US, there are over 50 million cameras and there are over 200 million cameras in China alone. And we're talking not about the whole China, but about like probably 10 or 15 big cities in China. So the level of investment isn't worse of the outcomes and all the goodies that you can get from the system. Of that scale. Oh,
0: I think I, I'm probably making this too blurry of a conversation because we're talking about a lot of different things here. So we, we should talk a little bit about what your business actually is. So Traces is a company that makes video recognition tools. How would you explain what your company does?
1: Yeah, so basically Traces provides an API that enables any developer or company develop technologies technology that will use video as a fit or for information and will help you to find and identify people and those videos without using facial recognition. So our technology analyzes thousands of parameters of your visual appearance, like your clothing, your body type, your, your height, and help you as a developer track people in videos based on this data. The best part here is that this data has a limited lifespan So whenever you as a person will change or a journalist will change your outfit dramatically, the system accuracy will drop dramatically, which is a perfect scenario for, let's say there is a parade or pride or whatever, uh, where you don't want to be tracked after attending that for like months. This is a perfect scenario. At the same time, when a person was lost, during the Pride, or during the parade, or in, a, in an amusement park. Uh, this, our system could be used to reliably track this person across all the cameras and actually help you, for instance, as a parent, find where your kid was seen for the last time and then hopefully to identify witnesses that can help you to understand whether it was a kidnap or, I don't know, your boy is just you know, spending too much time on, near the vending machine
2: yeah so we did a lot of working with data with anonymized data and we don't rely on your face or anything that is related to you as a person i mean like in general but we analyze your visual appearance that help us to make and to get some useful insights and actionable insights in real time
1: so what veronica just mentioned really important point the way how we build our system we're not actually receiving your actual video feed so we're not having any control or access to your actual uh, actual video. What we do, we only require you to send us crops of people that were spotted on your video and we analyze only those parameters. We're kind of indexing your video file based on people who were spotted there. So then you can go back and, and track these people. During this process of actually sending us crops of people, we remove all facial data, like intentionally. So in case of a security breach or whatever, the only data that will be exposed would be actual mathematical representation of actual crops or actual images, but not images themselves and there is no good way of actually reversing this process to actually getting those images from this mathematical representations that we called vectors. Tell me, do you all have customers yet? So yes, we have one customer that we are running a POC here right now, and they have their in-house development team uh, that are actually using our API to, for their use cases. And can you talk at all about what the use cases are? Actually, not really, so. That's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, Totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, the, the use case is, is really simple, right? We help customers to find people on videos. And so then they can use this information, for instance, to check whether, I don't know, so let's say there was a bike stolen and they want to know where this person who stole the bike went, right? What was his entrance point? Uh, at the same time, for a shopping centers, the use case would be, okay, we have a shoplifter and we want to know, uh, did he go to a parking lot and did he use a car to leave the scene or he used the front door and he just left.
2: Or he approached another person. Oh
1: yeah. Have you all heard of a company called Density?
2: Not early. Yeah.
1: Not early. No. There's
0: a company called Density that we interviewed that they're a company that they put a hardware device like above doors mm-hmm. and, and so that they can just count people that count unique people that walk in. They've had a lot of success. So I, I, I feel like there's a lot of applications where just tracking unique people in a store, in a theme park. Is super useful. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there are many good companies who are working in this field, who are basically, their primary business is tracking or counting people who are entering and leaving a certain facility. And absolutely, for business owners, it is really useful information. The biggest question here is how unique are people that they're counting? Because most of the solutions that we saw, they actually rely on a fact of person entering and leaving, but they're not actually tracking whether this person was a unique. So if those guys, like Destiny? Dense, yeah. Density. Uh, density, uh, they manage to solve this problem that's good for them and good for their customers. But most solutions that we solve, they actually rely on our human being entering the camera, field of view of a camera, and leaving field of view of the camera, which is not as accurate, as reliable as we might think, because like you have, let's say you have a personnel in a shop, and they're moving out, moving in the shop, and you will get a lot of counts, which make no sense for your BI and for your planning. What is the differentiator between
0: Traces and the other companies that are doing video recognition software?
1: Well, so the biggest differentiator is that right now we are, according to our knowledge, we're the only company who are uh, providing the service of actually using the system to track people without facial data. And we support, first of all, we're hardware agnostic, so we don't require you to install any specific camera. We uh, support uh, multiple angles of placement, we support multiple video quality. So basically, whether you have an old system or you have a blend of old and new systems, you can reliably use our technology here. The third differentiator is actually the way how we train our algorithms. So we have our pre-trained algorithms that is available for every customer, but point integration, our algorithms are retrained based on customers' data. So if you imagine like a customer in the middle of Alaska or in in New York City, they definitely have different scenery. They definitely have different cameras. So one generic AI algorithm will perform equally poorly for both of them. So instead of providing this kind of service, like kind of like we shipped you a box and now you like, you get what you paid for. We're shipping an in APIs that will adapt to the changes of that customer, which basically gives them better quality over time for the same money. And whenever they install new cameras or they replace their cameras, without efforts on our end or their end, algorithm will automatically adapt to their new setup. Which is a great value to have, especially considering the fact that number of cameras is going to double within the next five years. So many business owners should actually think whether the software that they're using right now will actually perform as good as it is performing right now if they're going to add and install new cameras from different brands, different manufacturers. Are most of these shops or enterprises who
0: are like who they have cameras set up, are they in a situation where they're collecting that video data and, and saving it so that you could potentially consume it
1: to train on? First of all, yes. Most businesses, they do collect a lot of footage. At the same time, the cost of storing that footage is extremely high. Really? Yes, so right now the, the storage of video is holding over 30% of total cost of ownership of any security video security system. So it is still damn expensive. Wait, wait, what? of total cost of ownership in a video security system is allocated for video storage. That's why most companies, they do not store video for longer than 30 days. And maybe like some companies with a critical infrastructure like nuclear plants and uh, Pentagon, they will have a footage for, like they will be stored for years. Uh, But when we're talking about an average security company, a business, they, they don't store video for longer than 30 or like maybe 60 days, but more often like 30 days. And some of them, they do not store video for longer than 15 days, because like it, it is so expensive. But we are not actually relying on the videos that they are storing, we're relying on the videos that they are streaming to our system today. So our, our platform guarantees sub seconds delays with most of the camera setups given the fact that there is a proper broadband. So we need that data to our algorithm to retrain. And that's why if you install, let's say uh, 200 cameras today, then in you can expect that in the next two days, algorithm will adapt to, to the change. And we don't require you to hand it over you know, petabytes of video for us to actually provide you value at the first place.
2: Yeah, we call it continuous self-learning pipeline, and it is done automatically. So we don't have to hire a lot of yeah engineers who will do it. So it's like the system works automatically without engineers in the loop.
0: This is the implementation and commodification of software that has been pretty much proven in, in papers and stuff, right? Like, are there results out there that have kind of validated these techniques as having accuracy or is this more that stuff that you you've developed internally and validated yourself
1: so uh, when we're talking about uh, audio training pipeline, most companies, they do develop their own pipelines and because it is so costly, most companies actually don't do that. So if you check like Amazon or uh, Google or whatever, any other cloud provider, they try to provide you with a generic model available through API. And and then like it's for for some applications it is good enough, for our scenario which is basically security, at this point it's not good enough. And this is something that we learned during our based on our experience in other companies. The generic algorithms they work okay for most scenarios, but definitely not for security application where this accuracy of identifying people is is really needed and uh, demanded. You're talking about papers. So, no, when we're talking about papers, you're referring to papers that are uh, submitted to conferences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there are many papers that are describing beautiful algorithms that will be never launched to production because it will be not cost efficient. So most of the papers on open source codes that you can find is really good for uh, POC deployments, so when you want to prove some points that something has value but once it comes to commercialization and using it in production cost will be a huge uh, decision factor for you mm-hmm. and uh, if like it may take i don't know three months to develop in some kind of an algorithm then it may easily take you nine months to make it to run it efficiently to be able to launch it to any big number of cameras or users you have
0: i know you've like submitted a paper or. Neurips, I think. Yeah. Is did you do much academic uh, stuff also? Yeah, no.
1: So Veronica is is our representative of, uh, from academic <laughs> world. So uh, the, Veronica, would you like to tell about your Neurips experience?
2: Uh, yes. So we did the research and we realized that we outperformed state of the art uh, in this problem. Yeah. So we applied for the workshop. They considered our paper as a significant improvement in this area and uh, invited us to present it at Neurips at workshop that is located with this conference and this is the biggest AI conference in the world so that was a great experience for us and like presenting their paper there is pretty much like a high-level achievements for any AI researchers but talking about scientific conference it is always a question about accuracy but it is not always a question about the speed so talking about commercializing the process and the model we always have to think about the trade-off between accuracy and speed so after After the presentation of our paper, we spend a lot of time for making it much quicker in comparison with all the other solutions that guarantee similar accuracy. But in fact, they take much longer time to do the action.
1: Uh, Yeah, and just to elaborate what what it means a longer time, it means that you will spend, let's say, 10 times more money to process same amount of people. So let's say if you have a scenario where you have to go through one million unique identities of people, like the cost for that could easily reach more than like 100K every month, yes. That's why uh, one thing is your achievement as a researcher and as a creator of an algorithm, but total different story is actually to make it financially affordable. Why don't you start
0: working on human recognition as a research area?
2: So I like this area. I think that this area make some impact in in the world, in society. So I was interested in this topic, I don't know, like for the last three or four years. And yeah, this is what, what makes me like, this is what motivates me and using computer, like there are a lot of application of computer vision, right. But none of them seems to me significantly useful for the society and I think that this is the area that makes some sense so this is why I'm interested in this fear.
0: Why? Give me some useful application.
2: The useful application of of human understanding of uh, human recognition yeah. human or recognition. human
0: understanding that's what you that's I mean you like
2: mean. the human recognition so let's say your kid get lost in the amusement park and you want to find him and you are not interested to find him like tomorrow because it is your your kid in this application with our solution with this like human recognition you can find your kid in real-time scenario so there are some cameras in the amusement park you can talk to a security guard or security representative and they can instantly find your child and you can be with your child i think that this is the most important here so this is at least one of the applications and talking about the crime prevention and crime investigation same things here we do like we guarantee the great balance between security and data privacy and uh, with this technology you can find people based on the general appearance of your clothes and other attributes and you can do it in real time so when something happened in some specific street and location in the city, you can find this person and analyze where he or she is going and using other cameras of the city, so.
1: Yeah, this so like the simplest example that we have in mind is this Salisbury case in, in the UK where two Russian spies were accused of the assassination using a new a- agent. So basically British government spent over 11 million pounds for this investigation, partially also because they had to use manual labor to go through all of the footage on the cameras. The reason why they had to do this because facial recognition software performed really poorly in in that scenario, again, because of the reasons we already discussed. So we thought that probably there should be a better way of finding people. Same actually stands for countries like Japan. Uh, So for those who were in Japan, you definitely Recall that they are wearing many, many of people there, they wear facial masks and they do it for many reasons. Like f- maybe they are shy, maybe they fell sick and they don't want to spread the disease, but facial masks, masks is a really big thing there. So how do you find people there if even with a proper camera placement, right? Uh, you need a better technology uh, that will help you to identify and track people in these scenarios. And speaking about this, the social impact, uh, definitely. Like there are a good application of computer vision for industry. For industries, like I don't know, some floss detection and so on. But nothing is as impactful for our society as actually finding missing people and fighting crimes and crime investigation.
2: So basically, can you imagine that? That in order to do this investigation, they had to ask human laborers to manually review all the video footage to find these people. It is just insane. We can do it with AI with like sub seconds delay, instantly finding these people and making this world safer.
0: How this is? A, I don't know. It's greedy, greedy capitalist
1: in me coming out. <laughs> How big is that market? Well, so the market for video security is huge already. So right now, for
0: so video, so the video security application is is a little bit different than the finding a human application
1: yeah Yeah, so first of all like video security in total is over 40 billion today and it's going to double within the next five years so it roughly like 95 billion in five years. The
0: video security thing, I don't, that...
1: It's also hardware, though, so yeah, you're right. So it's hardware, it's software, and AI adoption in this field is something close to 16% now. But what we're going to see is the AI, AI adoption in this area, and by AI adoption, we're talking about like, facial recognition, smart analytics, technology like ours is going to grow substantially because this is the only way actually to keep pace with number of video feeds and number of video cameras and video footage that will be dumped to servers. So like, there are no good reasons to store and pay those crazy money for storing video if you're not actually using them. Right right now, according to statistics, less than 1% of video is ever watched. So can you imagine like paying 30% of like in terms of a total cost of ownership, but still use only 1% of videos that you ever recorded. Mm. And the primary reason for this is basically there are no good ways of actually using that video. As we discussed, facial recognition doesn't necessarily work. Other technologies might be too costly to run through all your videos. It's why uh, we expect that this market will explode in the next five to 10 years. The parameters that you will train on for a given
0: time horizon might be clothing what else what are the parameters
1: if you're not doing face yeah. so we analyze multiple parameters like your clothing your belongings some um uh uh, some other attributes like your hairstyle your body type and uh, body height giving the fact that cameras there will be special cameras calibrated to pick those parameters so the best part is that our models they don't separate those parameters they see uh, see them as a whole so there is no manual labor here and uh, more will, uh, does everything by itself. Veronica, would you like to elaborate here more? Yeah,
2: so basically there are more parameters that we can analyze than it seems to be. I mean like we can distinguish the person who is wearing white t-shirt and jeans from another person who is wearing white t-shirt and jeans. And all the differences between them might be like the length of their sleeves, the v-neck type, some accessories like black backpack or some logo on the t-shirt. So all of these parameters are are playing a key role to find the differences between these people. So we do all of that. We do analyze the color, the detail, the structure of your clothes, some logos or branding, the accessories that you are wearing. some. White or the type of your sneakers. So even some like minor uh, stripe on your t-shirt might play an important role in finding this exact person among millions of other.
0: And since you're an API, so you would be selling to the, perhaps the video security
1: companies, right? Not like the theme park itself. Yeah, definitely. Like there are just few big theme parks, Does their security by themselves. And like, we probably know their names, right? This is the biggest one. But most of them, they do buy services from security companies. And they are our, our primary uh, customers at this point, especially those who in-house development team, either they're called like integration team or uh, they do their own development for the sake of their business.
0: I suppose I should stop questioning the market because y'all both worked at Ring. So you probably have some context for what people want out of a video
1: security product well like yes and no ring was a great experience but first of all ring is a consumer product that is used mainly by con- like consumers right now we're working in, uh, business, like with enterprises and uh, with businesses so it's a bit different world but definitely a technical experience that we got ring was was amazing. It was a great time in there. It was a great product. It was a great team to work with and to learn from. So yeah, I appreciate each and every day we spent there. And uh, yeah. What
0: did you learn there?
1: Well, so sort of from a technology perspective, we learned uh, like it will sound old, but uh, what we'll- Bring learn... is a
0: video doorbell product for, yeah, for people who don't know. And then yeah. they moved up market into like all kinds of security stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like we were responsible mainly for an AI initiatives there. So we learned not all AI initiatives can be commercially successful. If you're trying to provide good services for not a lot of money, because AI at, at a huge scale, AI costs a lot. So it was one of the like key takeaway there, that if you want to be successful, you have to be always mindful about how much will this AI feature brings value and how much will it cost. Another aspect was definitely the, like the technical challenges. One thing is to build a system that works with uh, you know, 100 cameras. Total different story is to build a system that works with million of cameras and still reliably identifying and uh, tracking people. I'm not saying that uh, Ring had this technology there, but any kind of systems that will be capable of processing all those simultaneous streams was huge, and that was really a great experience.
2: Yeah, that was a great experience for us. And uh, developing the AI solution that would be accurate and efficient that was a great experience especially when you can and when you can imagine that you launch this feature for all of the rings users and that this feature will change uh, the behavior of the customers that that makes you feel much better
1: (laughs) when did
0: y'all start thinking about starting a business
1: Uh, actually it's a funny story so right after quitting uh, ring actually Amazon that acquired uh, Ring, we decided to have this break, and I went to my Asia trip. So I was, I believe, I was in the middle of Japan when I started questioning their security system because I, I constantly heard announcement in their shops that shoplifting is a criminal offense. But I saw many people wearing face masks at the same shop, and I asked myself, okay, if Shoplifting is a criminal offense. How are they going to spot me, for instance, as a shoplifter if I'm going to have a face mask? Like definitely with me it would be much easier because like I'm a European. And you have a Yoda hat. Uh, on. Yes, and I have my strange uh, hat. But that's that awesome. Li- yeah, I, I'm <laughs> loving
0: it. It uh, looks like it's made out of uh, wine cork and it has Yoda on it. Yeah, it is.
1: It is. I believe I bought it in, in Spain. Yeah, right. You yeah. shoplifted it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I paid. So. Basically, there was a moment when I actually had a call with Veronica and uh, she was doing uh, her own stuff. And uh, we discussed whether there is a technical way of solving this problem. And apparently we found one. So at that point we decided we should start our company. And then I I would say like this hard work started because we done our initial calculations and we quickly realized why no one ever tried to build a system like this because like the costs were astronomical. So then, after almost like four years or four months of optimization, we finally got a clue how, how we can actually launch it with an affordable price.
0: So you know everybody wants it. Or you know some people want it. Yeah, absolutely. And you got the price down. Yeah. And is it just hard-earned performance gains? Is there one weird trick? It's
1: multiple really weird tricks. Endless iterations with many fails, like I I want to be really transparent, so we tried many things. We failed in most of them, but we managed to find this sweet spot where there is not a trade-off between accuracy and, and performance. Why do you have servers in your kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a funny question. So when we just started, we had this concept of uh, solving the problem of actually receiving petabytes of video footage into our cloud solution for further analysis. So we realized that we will change our architecture to a hybrid mode, where there is an edge components that is deployed on a client side, and there is a cloud component that actually does all the heavy lifting in terms of uh, people search. And to, to actually to validate and to prove the point that we can do that, we had, a full rec server in our kitchen where we run and perform all the tasks just to validate the point that we can process thousands of video streams simultaneously to re- reliably guarantee those sub delays that we have right now.
0: I'm sorry. Maybe I, I
1: didn't understand why couldn't you have done that in the cloud? Uh, two, two reasons here. First, first of all, when we're talking about thousands of cameras, we're talking about petabytes of video footage and there are two limitations here first cost of course to process petabyte of video in the cloud is is still expensive second reason uh, for customers transferring petabytes of video footage oh, God. To, to our cloud yeah we definitely break the bank so this is why we build a technology that could easily split video into actionable pieces that can be sent and can be analyzed in the cloud and to all other things that shouldn't be sent and shouldn't be analyzed in the cloud wait
0: so your cost cutting mechanism was kind of like a protocol like
1: a protocol of breaking up video and sending it to the cloud for So so from technology perspective, that part was extremely easy. So basically we're not breaking something into pieces, we're just identifying people and videos and we're taking crops of those people. So then those crops anonymize, so basically face is removed and then this data is sent. But that wasn't like the decision factor here in terms of a cost, it was just a convenience factor, factor for most customers that can't afford sending petabytes of video to our cloud. So client
0: side, there's a device or this is just what it like sits in a browser or something? So
1: so from a technology perspective, it is a Docker image that you can either uh, host on your own hardware or we can provide you uh, with a server. For some customers, we also provide an um, embedded version of that Docker. So for some customers, it can be a smaller device based on Jetson TX2 or Jetson Nana. This is a system released by uh, NVIDIA. Mainly they they done it for automotive, but now it has many applications, especially NVIDIA video security as well. So it is kind of like a small PCB with built-in GPU and some other components uh, that can, and it is like extremely cost efficient. So let's say you have or, or a small business set up with, uh, sixteen cameras uh, there's no good reason for you to to have a dedicated pc or server on site to do analysis or this first level of analysis you can get a really really small in terms of form factor uh, device that uh, will cost less than $500 to do all this stuff for you and definitely it's not an option for customers with thousands of cameras and zero setup for that setup you definitely have to have a full like two unit Rec server with multiple GPUs installed.
0: When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call on to help me find a developer who can build the first version of my product. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile engineers who you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product, like me, or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2I has the talent that you need to accomplish your goals. Go to softwareengineeringdaily.com slash G2I to learn more about what G2I has to offer. We've also done several shows with the people who run G2I, Gabe Greenberg and the rest of his team, These are engineers who know about the React ecosystem, about the mobile ecosystem, about GraphQL, React Native. They know their stuff, and they run a great organization. In my personal experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works. They can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. And you can go to softwareengineeringdaily.com slash G2I to learn more about G2I. Thank you to G2I for being a great supporter of Software Engineering Daily, both as listeners and also as people who have contributed code that have helped me out in my projects. So if you want to get some additional help for your engineering projects, go to softwareengineeringdaily.com slash G2I. Switching back to the business point of view, are you worried at all about getting disintermediated by this kind of solution? Like, there's so many moving parts, right, in the supply chain, right? It's a, it's a small number of, of uh, security companies, and they have hardware systems, they have software systems. Are you worried about slotting, trying to slot an API into that supply chain? I mean, like in terms of getting dis-
1: disintermediated long term? Well, actually, not really, because many reasons here. One of them is like there is no good alternative. You either have all this footage sitting on your servers and eating your money, or you can actually benefit from this data by having finally having an, a meaningful way of going through the footage and finally like looking for missing people, again, criminals, whatever you're looking here, or even building a smart analytics based on like, so let's say we will have this shopping center scenario. You you want to know how many visitors, unique visitors you had and how many of those were actually employees of the shopping center because you don't want to count them as, a, as visitors, right? You don't want to, to count a security guard as a visitor if his only job is actually, actually to be in the shopping center for the whole day, right? So another big problem here, in terms of other offerings and our idea of actually providing API, it comes from our vision of, uh, of our mission. We want to help companies and businesses to become more secure and from a business perspective the other alternative was to build our own hardware build our own brand mm-hmm. uh, like companies like i don't know Verkada or cisco meraki there are providing their cameras they're providing their cloud platform mm-hmm. and so on and so forth so from a business perspective, this is one way problem with this way is that it isn't aligned with our vision of a secure world uh, because we don't see that one hardware manufacturer will ever succeed in securing our cities or securing our neighborhoods. Most likely it is a work that requires corporations between multiple companies. So what we're doing, we're providing an, a solutions that can combine cameras from multiple manufacturers to help I don't know, security officers, neighborhoods, businesses to finally have a way of working with all the videos that they have.
0: Cool, so let's walk through in a little more detail what happens. So, let's say there's a, you know, security installation yeah. at, at a theme park yeah. and they're recording video and that is at some point making its way through your API. Can yeah. you walk me through the steps that it takes, you know, from the recording point to getting through your system?
1: Yeah. Really quickly, I will add uh, to the scenarios, as you just described, we have a quite sophisticated theme park. They have their infrastructure actually already in the cloud. So they can deploy our edge component, which is basically a Docker with some built-in AI features that will be responsible for sending only actionable pieces from their video to our cloud. Our cloud will index all this data and make it searchable. So then whenever, customer is willing to find person, let's take the same example of a lost kid, they will send us a query uh, which will contain either a footage or like an, an image of this lost person or if this person was spotted one of the cameras just an uh, uh, ID uh, that this crop had when it was sent to our system and uh, then in a matter of seconds we will just return all the occurrences of this person in front of all, on all of the cameras that they have in their possession. So this, this process is fairly simple. For some places uh, there, or for customers that are not cloud enabled and they have their local NVRs, DVRs, they have their VMS system. so basically video management system installed, then the in- integration process will be a bit different. They will have to upgrade their video management system to a version that is integrated with our, solution and not to give you a name but the market of those video management system is fertile and narrow there are no more than five big players here so most of our customers that we talk to they have one of those systems already installed and for them it's just a simple upgrade to a version that supports integration with our solution how do you benchmark the accuracy of your system So most fair example of a benchmarking would be uh, just to have some kind of an open data set that everyone uses and just to to, to see. uh, I don't mean
0: versus other systems. I mean like more like how do you know your system works as you think it does or reliably enough?
1: Well, the best example here would be actually the actual integration with a customer or running a quick proof of concept deployment Mm. for a limited number of cameras that customer can actually verify by hand. So let's say I have a footage from one hard cameras, the footage from uh, let's say to three or five days, uh, then they fit this data to our system, our system returns results, and then they can manually verify that the results are accurate. So from a customer's perspective, this is probably the easiest way for them to make sure that it works as we claim. And it's our job is actually to deliver on the promise. So internally we have, have uh, many cameras from multiple manufacturers and we're constantly testing. Uh, in your our... office, you mean? Yeah, uh, in our office. So we have, right now, we have more than 100 cameras installed in our office and yeah, it, it, it looks sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what we do because each and every versions of our algorithms that we release and we try to release new versions like every 2 weeks should be also tested whether there was not a trade off in terms of accuracy and uh, what we actually achieved with
0: do you take all those cameras out and like uh, you know do weird like film some scenes and kind of test it and uh, yeah, so different some ca- environments different lighting and stuff
1: now, yeah some cameras they are battery enabled so basically we can easily take them wherever we want and we do that uh, most cameras are actually stationary uh, so you know we don't do that and most of the tasks are basically us and our friends uh doing really weird stuff in front <laughs> of those cameras have you found any like really painful shortcomings of the
0: model as it currently stands or does it feel like it's it's where it where it needs to be
1: well, according to Veronica's assumption, we still can do better in terms of t- optimization, but it's like, you know, this trade-off of uh, twenty eighty with uh, 20% of effort. We already got 80% of result. What is left is to invest more time and uh, to, to, to push the accuracy and performance of the model to, to its limits. Sounds
0: pretty cool. As we begin to draw to a close, the world that we're going to live in in five to ten years how do you think the western world and the eastern world are going to evolve respectively with with the uh, domain of video surveillance
1: well i hope uh, that eastern world will adopt some of the techniques and some of their like mindset, if you will, of a Western world. So we already see some positive signals from even from China. For instance, uh, recently there was a news that a Chinese university actually banned using one of the Chinese universities actually banned using facial recognition. That's to, cool. To, to track their students. Yeah, that's because, a great sign. Yeah, because both parents and students were not comfortable of that level Whoa, of surveillance. I know that. Yeah, so I hope that Eastern world will see value in uh, respecting privacy the way how it is respected right now in the Western world and where it's moving there. In terms of a Western world, I hope that there will be a proper level of regulations that will help for society to remain healthy in terms of freedom of speech and uh, other civil liberties. And here we have really good organizations that are safeguarding this, like EFF, for instance. At the same time, we can deny the fact the number of cameras will be growing, uh, both in uh, enter- on enterprise and in consumer markets. So the non- amount of data available for analysis uh, will grow substantially. And we as society can build a better and more secure world harvesting this data. So yeah, the vision that I have. Another important factor that I don't see that in five or 10 years, stationary cameras will be the only way how video surveillance will be built. I expect to see more more, like drones or even self-driving cars starting acting as a moving sentries. This is something that we as a society have to be prepared. We don't see a lot of discussion here, but we see it as a natural move that will eventually happen. Gosh, and that'll
0: happen even before those cars are really self-driving, right? We're going to get the human in the loop widely deployed with this car that has a big rotating camera on it, and we're going to see these everywhere, and we're going to be like, ah, I wonder when the self-driving car is going to start working. I wonder when they're going to take the human out of the loop, and the human will be in the loop for a long time, but much more rapidly, we will be entering a world of omnipresent
1: yeah, videos absolutely absolutely and again it's up to us as a society to understand how we're going to use it to our benefit wow, that's a good world for you yeah well absolutely it's a great <laughs> world for us but it's monetarily up- uh, yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely but veronica and i we both decided that our company will definitely will be a force for good that's why from all the beginning we decided that we're not going to use facial recognition, we're not going to use our technology to abuse the power, but actually to help society to have this alternative to stay secure, but still remain their privacy. I wonder when it's gonna become a tricky, there will come a day
0: if you guys keep working on this there will come a day when you're you will have to make a tricky decision like the whole cl- you remember the Cloudflare yeah, yeah, decision yeah, yeah. like yeah, i know what you're getting yeah. what do you think they should have done there the Cloudflare daily stormer thing
1: well for me it's really hard to say what they should have done but actually there is another good example from the industry so a company called Axon they're one of the biggest suppliers of body cameras for police officers they had so called ASIC board an ASIC board of company Axon decided that they're not going to use facial recognition technology in their devices. And it was their deliberate choice not to provide police with body cameras that will be face facial recognition enabled. Right? Bravo to them for yes. taking a stand. Yeah, so I see the any company that is dealing with personal data or something that can be considered as a personal data and uh, video is a, a great source of that data, should adopt this, technolo- uh, this, this technique of having this ASIC board of well-respected people who are not controlled, who are not paid by the company itself. And they have a reliable mechanism of saying like, hey people, like this is not a proper thing to do. We shouldn't provide this service or we shouldn't use this technology for these purposes and uh, this is definitely what we're looking into in, in terms of future like five years or ten years from now
0: that being said you know you brought up the eff i had this debate with a an eff guy i mean it was a conversation mm-hmm. but i <laughs> i walked away with a really like it was about uh, you know internet.org the facebook mm-hmm. thing yeah. where facebook was basically saying we're going to give zero rated internet to everybody yeah. And it's going to be zero rated, but it's not going to have the full internet. It'll have access to Facebook. It'll have access to Wikipedia. It's sort of like a constrained internet. And I was like, that's great. That's awesome. Like, better to have only Facebook than to have nothing at all. And this guy, Jeremy, was totally in opposition. (laughs) Like, strenuously, dogmatically. And I was like, can you tell me why is it worse to have only Facebook versus having, having nothing at all. You know, his whole argument was that, oh, well, you know, they're going to think that Facebook is the entire internet and, you know, they're going to get conditioned to believe that Facebook is the entire internet. And it just struck me as not subtle enough. And I wonder, I worry about the anti-facial recognition movement kind of having the same ring to it because there's a lot of value we can have in facial recognition. The ability to hash a specific human in a public setting to who that person is, I wouldn't even have to bring my smartphone around. And like you could, I could walk into a coffee shop and I could just get a cup of coffee and walk out. Right. That's cool. There's a lot of applications like that. And so we need like a subtle conversation there. I, I worry about the, like no facial recognition thing. Like that's strange to me, the total ban on facial recognition idea.
1: Well, so as Veronica rightfully mentioned, facial recognition as a technology uh, has many good applications, like, I know your iPhones, it will unblock itself whenever, whenever there is your face, right? What is. EFF, and I'm, like, I don't speak for EFF, although like full disclosure, or I'm a big supporter uh, here. I am too, but I also support subtlety. <laughs> yeah, so their claim is that this technology, I mean, facial recognition, can enable those in power to abuse it. Yeah, so there's a trick here, so that's why I mentioned that uh, my big hope is that there will be a proper level of governing and legislations that will control this technology and will limit capabilities of those in power to abuse the technology against people. Because one thing, like as you mentioned, like it would be great to have this hashtag and know where, like you know, you know your friends are uh, based in a public. Uh, yeah, field. And you wouldn't spend like ten minutes like, hey, where are you are? Yeah, like I'm standing there near there, like a. You know, Uh, Near this uh, uh, pylon, and uh, then you're trying to find your friend, right? At the same time, imagine you are a journalist, right? And and imagine you just had, like, really important news, really important for public opinion. And then those in power can actually track you from a spot where you got this information to your home, which is a really scary world to live in. So I would say, like, a perfect balance is an ideal both for society to develop and to to grow as a site and from a security perspective to enable society to actually to flourish. I agree. Well, I like where you're positioned.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. And Traces is really cool. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. If you want to extract value from your data, it can be difficult especially for non-technical, non-analyst users. As software builders, you have this unique opportunity to unlock the value of your data to users through your product or your service. Jaspersoft offers embeddable reports, dashboards, and data visualizations that developers love. Give your users intuitive access to data in the ideal place for them to take action, within your application. To check out a sample application with embedded analytics, go to SoftwareEngineeringDaily.com JasperSoft. You can find out how easy it is to embed reporting and analytics into your application. JasperSoft is great for admin dashboards or for helping your customers make data-driven decisions within your product, because it's not just your company that wants analytics, it's also your customers. In an upcoming episode of Software Engineering Daily, we will talk to TIBCO about visualizing data inside apps based on modern front-end libraries like React, Angular, and Vue.js. In the meantime, check out Jaspersoft for yourself at softwareengineeringdaily.com jaspersoft. Thanks to TIBCO for being a sponsor of Software Engineering Daily.